0: Hey, Drunk Mythology friends. I'm Kay. And I'm Other Jen. And I'm Kim. And we're the...
1: Drunk Dickens Gals. Drunk Dickens (laughs)
2: Gals. Drunk Dickens Gals. (laughs) You raced through that.
0: Yeah. You were pulling an OG trying to speed it. Yes. Speed run it.
1: I I don't want to reveal the thoughts that go through my head because Kim will try to jump in there and... Sabotage my sabotage. You
2: don't, <laughs> you don't know what I'm going to do.
1: <laughs> Kim is our wild card, man. <laughs> it's like, we should have a bingo card. What's Kim going to do?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we kind of need a bingo card for this episode because... Right. Uh-oh. It's uh, the third stave of a Christmas carol. Yes. And frankly, between the psychological manipulation and the gaslighting... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh dear, we could have one hell of a bingo card with this. Oh, okay. I think, uh,
2: this was like in lieu of therapy. Dickens was writing this; he had some <gasps> things he wanted to get off of his chest.
0: It really sounds like it. And remember, in the Dickens episode, I talked about how he he described having almost a little mini mental breakdown. yeah writing yeah. this, yeah. and he'd walk like yeah. twenty miles in a. I don't think he walked twenty miles, but you know, he took some weird little nighttime walkabouts. That in sounds London. familiar. I think I remember you saying that. Yeah. yeah. He was like I I couldn't sleep and I was going crazy, so I would walk for miles and miles at night.
1: Oh, you kind of feel bad for him. I
2: don't. Oh. <laughs> well then. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> I uh,
0: Bah! Humbug. <laughs> <laughs> honestly oh. i i'm coming to kind of feel some way some stroker way about this because oh dear you want to cult this is how you cult oh my goodness <laughs> okay well yeah
1: we got the whole you know the disclaimer about uh
0: pu- public domain there we go yep. yeah i can say check it. <laughs> and
1: check check
0: okay moving on <laughs> <laughs> moving on well since we can't stave it off any longer <laughs> don't worry i only get to say it three more times <laughs> anyway <laughs> on to stave three you know what it's time for yes yeah it's a recap it's recap time <laughs> So Scrooge is just trying to get some sleep, and the clock keeps fucking chiming. (laughs) But at least no ghosts, right? Wrong. Wrong. The ghost of Christmas past shows up, and all I'm going to say is, have we learned nothing? Past life regression therapy and repressed memory recovery are not real. This is not how you psychology. (laughs) Seriously, old ghost is like, come on, let's walk down memory lane because there is nothing as therapeutic as vividly and traumatically reliving shit you can't change. We get glimpses of Scrooge being a dickbag to his sister, to his fiance, and just being a general unfun asshole to work with. Personally, though, sounds like Fezziwig throws a banger of a party. And honestly, if Scrooge was such an asshole, why is he so upset at remembering all of this? It doesn't take much to trigger him to the point where he is rochambeauing with the ghost of Christmas past. Like, seriously. (laughs) He's pulling some street moves in that fight. And I'm just saying, if he really was that bad, it'd take a lot more to get any emotion out of him. Him. this guy is just trying to do the best he can so why can't you leave him the fuck alone <laughs> and just as he loses the supernatural smackdown he's back on his bed but not for fucking long anyway carry on oh boy this is gonna be fun okay awake awaking in the middle
1: of a prodigiously tough snore and <laughs> sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together <laughs> Scrooge had no occasion to be told that the bell was again upon the stroke of one. He felt that he was restored to consciousness in the right nick of time for the especial purpose of holding a conference with the second messenger dispatched to him through Jacob Marley's intervention. But finding that he turned uncomfortably cold when he began to wonder which of his curtains this new specter would draw back. Curtain number he one? Put, Curtain he, put number them, he put them everyone aside with his own hands and laying down again, established a sharp lookout all around the bed. Yeah, I would do the same thing. Yeah for he wished to challenge the spirit on the moment of its appearance and did not wish to be taken by surprise and made nervous.
0: We've got some power dynamics moves going here.
1: Gentlemen of the free and easy sort, who plume themselves on being acquainted with a move or two and being usually equal to the time of day, express the wide range of their capacity for adventure by observing that they are good for anything from... Pitch and toss to manslaughter. What the fuck? <laughs> 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 Between which opposite extremes, no doubt, there lies a tolerably wide and comprehensive range of subjects. Oh, my God. Without venturing for Scrooge quite as heartily as this, I don't mind calling on you to believe that he was ready for a good broad field of strange appearances and that nothing between a baby and rhinoceros would have astonished him very much. Okay, so he's setting his expectations.
0: I mean, Scrooge apparently is kind of a badass,
1: I think. Uh, Maybe.
0: He's a cool customer,
1: apparently. Okay. Yeah. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. And consequently, when the bell struck one and no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of
0: trembling.
2: Uh, Maybe Uh, not such a badass.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But I can kind of understand that when you're like, wait, shit, where is it? Where is it? Like, isn't this, is this happening? Isn't this like... (laughs) You know, it's the three minutes after the deadline when nothing is happening that you're like, fuck, fuck, fuck.
1: Yeah. Five minutes. Ten minutes. A quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. All this time, he lay upon his bed, the very core and center of a blaze of ruddy light which streamed upon it when the clock proclaimed the hour. And which, being only light, was more alarming than a dozen ghosts, as he was powerless to make out what it meant or would be at, and was sometimes apprehensive that he might be at that very moment an interesting case of spontaneous combustion without having the consolation of knowing it. (laughs) If I understood that right, he's worried that he's going to spontaneously
0: combust into flames. Yeah, because there's this red light surrounding his bed. You got it. Okay. And actually Uh, there was a kind of weird fixation with spontaneous combustion in the nineteenth century.
1: Okay. Maybe a deep dive for later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'd be a fun one. Okay. (laughs) At last, however, he began to think, or as you or I would have thought at first, for it is always the person not in the predicament who knows what ought to have been done in it. And what is a true fact done it too. (laughs) At last, I say, he began to think that the source and secret of this ghostly light might be in the adjoining room. From whence on, further tracing it, it seemed to shine. This idea, taking full possession of his mind, he got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice called him by his name and bade him enter. He obeyed. It was his own room. There was no doubt about that, but it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove, from every part of which bright, gleaming berries glistened. The crisp leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy reflected back the light as if so many little mirrors had been scattered there, And such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney as that dull petrification of a hearth had never known in Scrooge's time or Marley's or for many and many a winter season gone. By the way, was Marley dead? (laughs) Drink. (laughs) Drink. Sorry, go on. (laughs) Heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne were turkeys, geese, game, poultry, brawn, great joints of meat, sucking pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red hot chestnuts, cherry cheeked apples, juicy oranges, luscious pears, immense twelfth cakes, and seething bowls of punch.
0: Is seething the right adjective there? I just have to ask. I think so. (laughs) Uh,
2: I think seething was uh, what you did to the fruit, possibly. Really? Really? Yeah, it was like almost like steaming. I'll look it up. I'll find out that. Okay, one for you. Google that okay. shit. Okay, I have I'll questions. That All right, yep. I will.
1: <laughs> that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. In easy state upon this couch, there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn, and held it up high up to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping round the door. Come in, come in and know me better, man. Scrooge entered timidly and hung his head before the spirit. He was not the dogged Scrooge he had been, and though the spirit's eyes were clear and kind, he did not like to meet them.
2: I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me.
1: Scrooge reverently did so. It was clothed in one simple green robe or mantle bordered with white fur. This garment hung so loosely on the figure that its capacious breast was bare, as if disdaining (laughs) to be warded or concealed by any artifice. Its feet, observable beneath the ample folds of the garment, were also bare, and on its head it wore no other covering than a holly wreath, set here and there with shining icicles. Its dark brown curls were long and free, free as its genial face, its sparkling eye, its open hand, its cheery voice, its unconstrained demeanor, and its joyful air. Girded round its middle was an antique scabbard, but no sword was in it, and the ancient sheath was Eaten up with rust. Oh my okay, God! it's has
2: something. It's, it's Tom Bombadil, you guys. Who? <laughs> Lord, Lord of, of the Rings. The Rings.
0: Yeah. Oh, also Sorry. again, he's a merry fellow. <laughs> no gender.
2: Yeah, again, no gender. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you have never seen the likes of me before. Never. Have never walked forth with younger members of my family, meaning, for I am very young, my elder brother's born in these later years.
0: Yeah, I don't think I have. I am afraid I have not. Have you many brothers, Spirit?
2: More than 1,800.
0: Jesus <laughs> fucking <Christ>. oh my <laughs> A tremendous family to provide for. The ghost of Christmas present rose. Uh, Spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion and learnt a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have aught to teach me, let me profit by it.
1: Touch my robe.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Huh? Sc- Scrooge
1: did as he was told and held it fast. Holly, mistletoe, red berries, ivy, turkeys, geese, game, poultry, brawn, meat, pigs, sausages, oysters, pies, puddings, fruit, and punch all vanished instantly. So did the room, the fire, the ruddy glow, the hour of the night, and they stood in the city streets on Christmas morning, where, for the weather was severe, the people made a rough but brisk and not unpleasant kind of music in scraping the snow from the pavement in front of their dwellings and from the tops of their houses, whence it was mad delight to the boys to see it come plumping down into the road below
0: and splitting into artificial little snowstorms. That does sound kind of fun. No, I don't miss shoveling in front of my house. (laughs) (laughs) The house
1: fronts looked black enough and the windows blacker, contrasting with the smooth white sheet of snow upon the roofs and with the dirtier snow upon the ground, which last deposit had been plowed up in deep furrows by the heavy wheels of carts and wagons. Burrows that crossed and recrossed each other hundreds of times where the great streets branched off and made intricate channels hard to trace in the thick yellow mud and icy water. The sky was gloomy and the shortest streets were choked up with a dingy mist, half thawed, half frozen, whose heavier particles descended in a shower of sooty atoms as if all the chimneys in Great Britain had by one consent, caught fire and were blazing away to their dear heart's content. Holy crap, can we get Dickens an editor, please? (laughs) Or at least a strunken white. (laughs) (laughs) There was nothing very cheerful in the climate or the town, and yet was there an air of cheerfulness abroad that the clearest summer air and brightest summer sun might have endeavored to diffuse in vain. For the people who were shoveling away on the housetops were jovial and full of glee, calling out to one another from the parapets and—am I saying that right, parapets? Parapets, yep. And now and then exchanging a facetious snowball, better-natured missile far than many a wordy jest, laughing heartily if it went right and not less heartily if it went wrong— The poulterer's shops were still half open, and the fruiterers, really, is that a word, (laughs) were radiant in their glory. There were great round pot-bellied baskets of chestnuts shaped like the waistcoats of jolly old gentlemen lolling at the doors and tumbling out into the streets in their apoplectic, did I say that (laughs) right, oh my goodness, opulence. There were ruddy, brown-faced, broad-girthed Spanish onions, shining in the fatness of their growth like Spanish friars and winking from their shelves in wanton slyness at the girls as they went by. So the
2: onions are winking at the girls? Yes. Okay. All
0: right. Go on. And gl- and the onions are glancing demurely at the hung-up mistletoe. Okay, you know what? Next time I go in my kitchen, I am going to give some side-eye to my onions. Yeah, <laughs> right? I never did like... trust them. <laughs> Goddamn shallots. there were pears and
1: apples clustered high in blooming pyramids there were bunches of grapes made in the shopkeepers benevolence to dangle from conspicuous hooks that people's mouths might water gratis as they passed there were piles of filberts mossy and brown recalling in their fragrance ancient walks among the woods and pleasant shufflings ankle deep through withered leaves there were norfolk biffins Whatever the hell that is, squat and swarthy, setting off the yellow of the oranges and lemons, and in the great compactness of their juicy persons, urgently entreating and beseeching to be caught, carried home in paper bags and eaten after
0: dinner. The very they're apples. they're apples. apples,
2: by the way. Yeah.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. And the other the- one that uh, the filberts, those are hazelnuts. Oh, yeah. okay. The very gold and silver fish set forth among these choice
1: fruits in a bowl, though members of a dull and stagnant-blooded race appeared to know that there was something going on, and to a fish went gasping round and round their little world in slow and passionless excitement. Uh, Who's the the modern author that spends like 5,000 words just describing the chair in the corner in the room? Who's that Um, dude?
0: I mean, there's the guy who oh, wrote... Oh, there's in- a bunch of them. Yeah, there's, there's in- the guy who wrote Infinite Jest. No, there's like, like a big horror movie writer guy. Stephen King?
1: Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. Mm. Isn't the? Doesn't he have that reputation of, like, spending way too many pages... he, he can. ...describing he can, the world, but, yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. He's more known for, like, not sticking the landing than uh, not being able to describe stuff, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. <clears throat> Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else then, but I just... I mean, I've there is heard-
0: Marcel Proust who spent three pages on a madeleine. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, that's a deep dive for later,
1: or not, or a lit the grocers, oh, the grocers, nearly closed with perhaps two shutters down or one, but through those gaps, such glimpses. It was not alone that the scales descending on the counter made a merry sound, or that the twine and roller parted company so briskly, or that the canisters were rattled up and down like juggling tricks, or even that the blended scents of tea and coffee were so grateful to the nose. Or even that the raisins were so plentiful and rare, the almonds so extremely white, the sticks of cinnamon so long and straight, the other spices so delicious, the candied fruits so caked and spotted with molten sugar as to make the coldest lookers-on feel faint and subsequently bilious. Oh my god. (laughs)
0: Uh, brought to you by Publix
2: where shopping is a pleasure
0: (laughs) it's like he was hungry when he was writing this chapter never write hungry this is what what happens though
2: what about the figs
0: (laughs) nor was it that the
1: figs were moist and pulpy or that the french plums blushed in modest cartness from their highly decorated boxes french plums blusher Or that everything was good to eat and in its Christmas dress, but the customers were all so hurried and so eager in the hopeful promise of the day that they tumbled up against each other at the door, crashing their wicker baskets wildly, and left their purchases upon the counter and came running back to fetch them and committed hundreds of the like mistakes in the best humor possible— While the grocer and his people were so frank and fresh that the polished hearts with which they fastened their aprons behind might have been their own worn outside for general inspection and for Christmas dolls to peck at
0: if they chose. Why can't we just say everybody was in a good mood? Uh, Yeah, I mean he's saying Christmas crows could have eaten the hearts of the grocers. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, what? Dickens, Dickens yeah. have a Snickers.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, I, I get a, a at least a one-sentence break here coming up shortly here.
0: <laughs> but soon the steeples
1: called good people all to church and chapel, and away they came flocking through the streets in their best clothes and with their grayest faces
2: and Uh, gayest grayest faces would be something else. They'd be dead. (laughs) That was
0: every other day of the year. Right. (laughs) Uh, If that's the only mistake I say, that's pretty good. Yeah.
1: Okay. And at the same time, there emerged from scores of by streets, lanes and nameless turnings, innumerable people carrying their dinners to the bakers shops the sight of these poor revelers appeared to interest the spirit very much, for he stood with Scrooge beside him in a baker's doorway, and taking off the covers as they, as their bearers passed, sprinkled incense on their dinners from his torch. And it was a very uncommon kind of torch, for once or twice, when there were angry words between some dinner carriers who had jostled each other— He shed a few drops of water on them from it, and their good humor was restored directly. Oh, he's throwing ecstasy at people. Yeah. (laughs) For they said it was a shame to quarrel upon Christmas Day. And so it was. God love it, so it was. In time, the bells ceased, and the bakers were shut up, and yet there was a genial shadowing forth of all these diners, dinners and the progress of their cooking in the thawed blotch of wet above each baker's oven. So all of these people are taking their food to the baker to be baked instead of baking at home? Was home oven not a common thing?
0: Well, you'd have to afford uh, coal. Okay. You you would have to have... A room that had access to some sort of like cooking hob, like okay, you know, a lot of people lived in boarding houses or ah, right, you know, okay. they would rent a room literally. So yeah, okay. Uh, I don't think right. he's. Ref-
2: I don't think it's a community oven though. I think he's referring to the bakers as the people who brought the food home. Where each baker's oven, the bakers were cooking them, their own food. Where oh, they that's could. possible. Yeah. Oh. 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 oh yeah. Okay.
1: All right. So, where the pavement smoked as if its stones
0: were cooking too. All right. You guys got a few minutes. I'm going to drink some water. <laughs> so, uh, is there a peculiar flavor in uh, what you sprinkle from your torch?
2: Molly. No, I'm just kidding. There is my own.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, shit. <laughs> Would it uh, apply to any kind of dinner on
2: this day? To any kindly given to a poor one, most. Why to a poor one most? Because it needs it most.
0: Spirit, I wonder you of all the beings in the many worlds about us should desire to cramp these people's opportunities of innocent enjoyment. Uh? (laughs) I? (laughs) You would deprive them of their means of dining every seventh day, often the only day on which they can be said to dine at all, wouldn't you? I? You seek to close these places on the seventh day, and it comes to the same thing. I seek. Forgive me if I am wrong. It has been done in your name, or at least in the name of your family. There are
2: some upon this earth of yours who claim to know us, and who do the deeds and passions of pride, ill will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness in our name, who are estranged to us and all our kith and kin, as if they had never lived, remember that, and charge their doings on themselves and not us.
1: <laughs> Scrooge <laughs> promised that he would, and- okay. They went on,
0: whatever, <laughs> invisible
1: as they had been before into the suburbs of the town. It was a remarkable quality of the ghost, which Scrooge had observed at the Baker's, that notwithstanding his gigantic size, he could accommodate himself to any place with ease and that he stood beneath a low roof quite as gracefully and like a supernatural creature as if as it was possible he could have done in any lofty hall. And perhaps it was the pleasure uh, the good spirit had in showing off this power of his, or else it was his own kind, generous, hearty nature and his sympathy with all poor men that led him straight to Scrooge's clerks. For there he went and took Scrooge with him, holding to his robe, and on the threshold of the door the spirit smiled and stopped to bless Bob Cratchit's dwelling with a sprinkling of his torch. Wink wink. Mm-hmm. Think of that. Bob had but fifteen Bob a week himself. He pocketed on Saturdays but fifteen copies of his Christian name. And yet the ghost of Christmas present blessed his four
0: roomed house. I do not understand what that meant. Bob is a slang for a shilling. Okay. So Bob has is... five, has a fifteen bobs. Oh Yeah. So they'd say it's it's a plan words. A bob. yeah. He's okay, being,
1: he's being clever. Uh, he thinks he is, right? Okay. Then uprose Mrs. Cratchit, Cratchit's wife. Well, I hope that's who it is. Dressed out but poorly in a twice turned gown, but brave in ribbons, which are cheap and make a goodly show for sixpence. And she laid the cloth, assisted by Belinda Cratchit, second of her daughters, also brave in ribbons. While Master Peter Cratchit plunged a fork into the saucepan of potatoes and getting the corners of his monstrous shirt collar, Bob's private property conferred upon his son and heir in honor of the day, into his mouth, rejoiced to find himself so gallantly attired and yearned to show his linen in the fashionable parks. And now two smaller Cratchits, boy and girl, came tearing in, screaming that outside the bakers they had smelt the goose and known it for their own. And basking in luxurious thoughts of sage and onion, these young Cratchits danced about the table and exalted Master Peter Cratchit to the skies while he, not proud although his collars nearly choked him, blew the fire until the slow potatoes bubbling up knocked loudly at the saucepan lid to be let out and peeled.
0: What, what, whatever has got your precious father then, and your brother, Tiny Tim, and Martha, weren't as late as Christmas Day by half an hour? Here's Martha, mother, said the girl, appearing as she spoke. Here's Here's Martha, Martha, Mother. mother
1: cried the two young cratchits
0: hurrah <laughs> They're such, They're a, a, such goose a goose ma- martha. martha play with us <laughs> <laughs> why bless your heart alive my dear
1: how late you are said mrs cratchit kissing her a dozen times and taking off her shawl and bonnet for her with offici- officious zeal Okay, so now I'm Martha. Oh, yeah. this, is, this gets a little nutty here. Yeah.
2: we <laughs> have a big family.
1: We'd a
0: deal of work <laughs> to finish up last She's night back. and <laughs> had to clear away this morning, mother. Well, never mind so long as you will come. Sit you down before the fire, my dear, and have a warm. Lord bless ye. No, 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 no. There's, father- there's father coming, coming <laughs> cried the two young
1: Cratchits who were everywhere at once. Hide, Martha! Hide! hide. So Martha hid herself, and in came Little Bob, the father with at least three feet of comforter exclusive of the fringe, hanging down before him, and his threadbare clothes darned up and brushed to look seasonable, and Tiny Tim upon his shoulder. Alas, for Tiny Tim, he bore a little crutch and had his limbs supported by an iron frame. Why, where's our
2: Martha? I'm I'm Bob, by the way. Why, where's our Martha? (laughs) Not coming.
1: Not coming. Not coming upon Christmas Day. Martha didn't like to see him disappointed if it were only in joke, so she came out prematurely from behind the closet door and ran into his arms while the two young Cratchits hustled Tiny Tim and bore him off into the wash house that he might hear the pudding singing in the copper. My goodness.
0: <laughs> and how did little Tim behave?
1: asked Mrs. Cratchit when she had rallied Bob on his cro- cro- credulity. credulity. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and Bob had hugged his daughter to his heart's content.
2: As good as gold and better. Somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much and thinks the strangest things ye ever heard. He told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple and it might be pleasant to them to remember on Christmas day who made lame beggar's walk and blind men see. Damn. Okay, Tiny Tim.
1: Damn. Jesus. Wow. Okay. Bob's voice was tremulous when he told them this and trembled more when he said that Tiny Tim was growing strong and hearty. His sure acne- he is. Yeah. His Mm -hmm. active little crutch was heard upon the floor, and back came Tiny Tim before another word was spoken, escorted by his brother and sister to his stool before the fire. And while Bob, turning up his cuffs as if poor fellow, they were capable of being made more shabby, compounded some hot mixture in a jug with gin and lemons and stirred it round and round and put it on the hob to simmer. Like, I could really go for one of those right now. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah master peter and the two ubiquitous young cratchits went to fetch the goose which with which they soon returned in high procession such a bustle ensued that you might have thought a goose the rarest of all birds a feathered phenomenon to which a black swan was a matter of course and in truth it was something very like it in that house mrs cratchit made the gravy ready beforehand in a little saucepan hissing hot Master Peter mashed the potatoes with incredible vigor. Miss Belinda sweetened up the applesauce. Martha dusted the hot plates. Bob took Tiny Tim beside him in a tiny corner at the table. The two young Cratchits set chairs for everybody not forgetting themselves and mounting guard upon their posts, crammed spoons into their mouths lest they should shriek for goose before their turn came to be helped. At last, the dishes were set on and grace was said. It was succeeded by a breathless pause as Missus Cratchit, looking slowly all along the carving knife, prepared to plunge it in the breast. <laughs> wow!
0: But when she ah, did, take off uh, you take a knife and you cut off its head You you off it with garlic. Um,
1: <laughs> but when she did, and when the long expected gush of stuffing issued forth. One murmur of delight arose all round the board, and even Tiny Tim, excited by the two young Cratchits, beat on the table with the handle of his knife, and feebly cried, Hurrah! <laughs> there never was such a goose. Bob said he didn't believe there ever was such a goose cooked. Its tenderness and flavor, size and cheapness were the themes of universal admiration. Eaked out by applesauce and mashed potatoes, it was a sufficient dinner for the whole family. Indeed, as, as Mrs. Cratchit said with great delight, surveying one small atom of a bone upon the dish, they hadn't ate it all at last. Yet every one had had enough, and the youngest Cratchits in particular were steeped in sage and onion to the eyebrows. But were they randy onions? But now the plate's being changed by Wink. Miss Belinda. Mrs. Cratchit left the room alone, too nervous to bear witness to take the pudding up and bring it in.
2: This is like uh, Kate when she cooks, by the way. <laughs> oh my God, right it here, is, Yeah.
0: <laughs> Look, plum pudding takes like three, day, three years off my life every time I make it.
1: Suppose it should not be done enough. Suppose it should break in turning out. Suppose somebody should have got over the wall of the backyard and stolen it. While they were merry with the goose, a supposition at which the two young Cratchits became livid. All sorts of horrors were supposed. Hello, a great deal of steam. The pudding was out of the copper. A smell like a washing day.
0: What? That's not a good
1: smell. That was the cloth. A smell like an eating house and a pastry cooks next door to each other uh, with a laundress next door to that. That was the pudding. In half a minute, Mrs. Cratchit entered flushed but smiling proudly with the pudding. Like a speckled cannonball so hard and firm blazing in half of half a quarter of ignited brandy and bedlight with Christmas holly stuck into the top. Dang. Look, I'm
0: just saying when I when i plate the pudding and set that yeah. shit on fire i i feel mrs cratchit mm-hmm. yeah i i feel seen do you put like do you put the the holly in the i don't i don't will you now maybe ah, fuck cuz i'll have to maybe <laughs> god damn it i have to this year now yeah yeah you do okay oh a
1: wonderful pudding Bob Cratchit said, and calmly, too, that he regarded it as the greatest success achieved by Mrs. Cratchit since their marriage. (laughs) Never mind the kids. Mrs. Cratchit said that now the weight was off her mind, she would confess she had had her doubts about the quantity of flour. Everybody had something to say about it, but nobody said or thought it was at all a small pudding for a large family. It would have been flat heresy to do so any Cratchit would have blushed to hint at such a thing. At last, the dinner was all done. The cloth was cleared, the hearth swept, and the fire made up. The compound in the jug being tasted and considered perfect, apples and oranges were put upon the table, and a shovel full of chestnuts on the fire. Mm. Then all the Mm. Cratchit family drew round the hearth in what Bob Cratchit called a circle, meaning half a one. And at Bob Cratchit's <laughs> elbow stood the family display of glass. Two tumblers and a custard cup without a handle. These are held- poor. He's saying they're poor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These held the hot stuff from the jug, however, as well as golden goblets would have done. And Bob served it out with beaming looks while the chestnuts on the fire sputtered and cracked noisily. Then Bob proposed...
2: A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless
1: us. Which all the family re-echoed. God bless said Tiny Tim, the last of all. He sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool. Bob held his withered little hand in his as if he loved the child and wished to keep him by his side and dreaded that he might be taken from him. There is no as if about that.
0: Like, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure
2: why he prephrased it that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat in the poor
2: chimney corner, and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die.
0: No. No. Oh, no, kind spirit. Say that he'll be spared. If these shadows
2: remain unaltered by the future, none other of my race will find him here. What then? If he be like to die, he'd better do it and decrease the surplus
1: population. Holy shit. Right? Wow. Is that the gaslighting you're referring to, Kate? I'm just saying. No, that's what he said.
2: He's just repeating what Scrooge well, said.
1: Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, got it. Yeah, he's like, well, this is your theory, so. Mm-hmm. He, oh, okay. just wait. It gets worse. Okay. Okay. Scrooge hung his head to hear here we go his own words quoted by the spirit and was overcome with penitence and grief
2: man if mad you be in heart not adamant forbear that wicked cant until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is will you decide what men shall live what men shall die it may be that in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Oh, God, to hear the insect on the leaf pronouncing on the too much life among his hungry brothers in the dust.
1: Scrooge bent before the ghost's rebuke and trembling cast his eyes upon the ground, but he raised them speedily on hearing his own name.
2: Mr. Scrooge, I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. Oh,
0: the founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon. And I hope you have a good appetite for it. My dear, the children, Christmas Day. <laughs> it should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Robert. Bob, nobody knows it better than you do, poor fella. My dear, Christmas Day. I'll drink his health for your sake and for the days, not for his. One life <laughs> to him, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, goddammit. He'll be very merry and happy, I have no fucking doubt. <laughs>
1: The children (laughs) drank the toast after her. It was the first of their proceedings, which had no heartiness. Tiny Tim drank it last of all, but he didn't care two pence for it. Scrooge was the ogre of the family. The mention of his name cast a dark shadow on the party, which was not dispelled for full five minutes. After it had passed away, they were ten times merrier than before, from the mere relief of Scrooge the baleful being done with. Bob Cratchit told them how he had a situation in his eye for Master Peter, which would bring in, if obtained, full five and six pence weekly. The two young Cratchits laughed tremendously at the idea of Peter's being a man of business, and... Peter himself looked thoughtfully at the fire from between his collars as if he were deliberating what particular investments he should favor when he came into the receipt of that bewildering income. Martha, who was a poor apprentice at a milliner's, then told them what kind of work she had to do and how many hours she worked at a stretch and how she meant to lie abed tomorrow morning for a good long rest tomorrow being a holiday she passed at home also how she had seen a countess and a lord some days before and how the lord was much about as tall as peter at which peter pulled up his collar so high that you couldn't have seen his head if you had been there all this time the chestnuts and the jug went round and round and by and by they had s- a song about a lost child traveling in the snow from Tiny Tim, who had a plaintive little voice and sang it very well indeed.
0: Fucking cheerful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There was nothing of high mark in this. They were not a handsome family. They were not well-dressed. Their shoes were far from being waterproof. Their clothes were scanty. And Peter might have known, and very likely did, the inside of a pawnbroker's but they were happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and contented with the time. And when they faded and looked happier yet in the bright sprinklings of the spirit's torch at parting, Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim until the last. So just please note, the kids
0: are drinking gin. Gin, yeah. Oh, right. It
2: it, it helped to warm them up and...
0: Yeah. 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 And then and they, they had... had some ecstasy on top of it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that takes me back to college. Gin <laughs> oh. and Molly. There we yeah.
1: go. Oh, by this time, it was getting dark and snowing pretty heavily. And as Scrooge and the spirit went along the streets, the bright brightness of the roaring fires in kitchens, parlors, and all sorts of rooms was wonderful. Here, the flickering of the blaze showed preparations for a cozy dinner with hot plates baking through and through before the fire and deep red curtains ready to be drawn to shut out cold and darkness. There all the children of the house were running out into the snow to meet their married sisters, brothers, cousins, uncles, aunts, and and be the first to greet them. Here again were shadows on the window blind of guests assembling and there, a group of handsome girls, all hooded and fur booted and all chattering at once, tripped lightly off to some near neighbor's house. Where, woe upon the single man who saw them enter, artful witches, well they knew it, in a glow. What? Okay. That's kind of. Hey. Oh. Okay. But if you had judged from the numbers of people on their way to friendly gatherings, you might have thought that no one was at home to give them welcome when they got there, instead of every house expecting company and piling up its fires half chimney high. Blessings on it, how the ghost exulted, how it bared its breadth of breast and opened its capacious palm and floated on outpouring with a generous hand its bright and harmless mirth on everything within its reach. The very lamplighter who ran on before, dotting the dusky street with specks of light, and who was dressed to spend the evening somewhere, laughed out loudly as the spirit passed, though little kenned the lamplighter that he had any company but Christmas. He was roofied! (laughs) (laughs) Ah. And now, without a word of warning from the ghost, they stood upon a bleak and desert moor, where monstrous masses of rude stone were cast about as though it were the burial place of giants, and water spread itself wheresoever it listed, or would have done so but for the frost that held it prisoner, and nothing grew but moss and firs and coarse rank grass." Down in the west the setting sun had left a streak of fiery red which glared upon the desolation for an instant like a sullen eye and frowning lower, lower, lower yet was lost in the thick gloom of darkest night. What place is this?
2: A place where miners live who labor in the bowels of the earth. But they know me, see?
1: A light shone from the window of a hut and swiftly they advanced towards it. Passing through the wall of mud and stone, they found a cheerful company assembled round a glowing fire. An old, old man and woman with their children and their children's children, and another generation beyond that, all decked out gaily in their holiday attire. The old man, in a voice that seldom rose above the howling of the wind upon the barren waste, was singing them a Christmas song. It had been a very old song when he was a boy and from time to time they all joined in the chorus. So surely as they raised their voices, the old man got quite blithe and loud, and so surely as they stopped, his vigor sank again. The spirit did not tarry here, but bade Scrooge hold his robe, and passing on above the moor, sped, whither, not to see? To see. To Scrooge's horror, looking back, he saw the last of the land. "'a frightful range of rocks behind them, "'and his ears were deafened by the thundering of water "'as it rolled and roared and raged "'among the dreadful caverns it had worn "'and fiercely tried to undermine the earth. "'Built upon a dismal reef of sunken rocks "'some league or so from shore, "'on which the waters chafed and dashed, "'the wild year through, "'there stood a solitary lighthouse.' Great heaps of seaweed clung to its base, and storm birds, born of the wind, one might suppose, as seaweed of the water, rose and fell about it like the waves they skimmed. But even here, two men who watched the light had made a fire that, through the loophole in the thick stone wall, shed out a ray of brightness on the awful sea. Joining their horny hands over the rough table at which they sat, they wished each other Merry Christmas in their can of grog. And one of them, the elder, too, with his face all damaged and scarred with hard weather, as the figurehead of an old ship might be, struck up a sturdy song that was like a gale in itself. We're getting a montage. Yeah. Right? Again, the ghost sped on above the black and heaving sea, on, on, until being far away, as he told Scrooge from any shore, they lighted on a ship. They stood beside the helmsman at the wheel, the lookout in the bow, the officers who had the watch, dark ghostly figures in their several stations, but every man among them hummed a Christmas tune. Or had a Christmas thought, or spoke below his breath to his companion of some bygone Christmas day, with homeward hopes belonging to it. And every man on board, waking or sleeping, good or bad, had had a kinder word for another on that day than any other day that year. And had shared to some extent in its festivities, and had remembered those he cared for at a distance, and had known that they delighted to remember him. It was a great surprise to Scrooge while listening to the moaning of the wind and thinking what a solemn thing it was to move on through the lonely darkness over an unknown abyss whose depths were secrets as profound as death. That's an interesting choice of words. Mm -hmm. It was a great surprise to Scrooge while thus engaged to hear a hearty laugh. It was a much greater surprise to Scrooge to recognize it as his own nephew's, and to find himself in a bright, dry, gleaming room with the spirit standing smiling by his side and looking at that same nephew with approving affability. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! laughed Scrooge's nephew. Ha ha ha! If you should happen by any unlikely chance to know a man more blessed in a laugh than Scrooge's nephew, all I can say is I should like to know him too introduce me to him and i'll cultivate his acquaintance i actually do
2: my husband laughs so loud you can literally hear him down the block it is so adorable
1: (laughs) oh that sounds so cute yeah
2: he 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 throws himself into it so that's i totally dig
0: it eric does too yeah
1: It is a fair, even-handed, noble adjustment of things that while there is infection and disease and sorrow, there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. When Scrooge's nephew laughed in this way, holding his sides, rolling his head, and twisting his face into the most extravagant contortions, Scrooge's niece by marriage laughed as heartily as he and their assembled friends, being not a bit behindhand, roared out lustily.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he said that Christmas was a humbug. As I live, he believed it too.
1: More shame for him, Fred said. Scrooge's niece indignantly. Bless those women! They never do anything by halves. They are always in earnest. She was very pretty, exceedingly pretty, with a dimpled, surprised looking capital face, a ripe little mouth that seemed made to be kissed, as no doubt it was, all kinds of good little dots about her chin that melted into one another when she laughed, and the sunniest pair of eyes you ever saw in any little creature's head. Although she was what you would have called provoking, you know, but satisfactory too. Oh, perfectly satisfactory.
2: This We've wandered little... off on another tangent here. a yeah. little creepy
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: He's a comical old fellow, that's the truth, and not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him.
0: I'm sure he is very rich, Fred. At least you always tell me so.
2: "'What of that, my dear? His wealth is of no use to him. "'He don't do any good with it. He don't make himself comfortable with it. "'He hasn't the satisfaction of thinking (laughs) that he's ever going to benefit us with it.' (laughs) "'I have no patience
1: with him,' observed Scrooge's niece. "'Scrooge's niece's sisters and all the other ladies expressed the same opinion. "'Oh, I have. I'm sorry for
2: him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. "'Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always.' Here, he takes it into his head to dislike us, and he won't come and dine with us. What's the consequence?
0: He don't lose much of a dinner. Indeed, I think he loses a very good dinner,
1: interrupted Scrooge's niece. Everybody else said the same, and they must be allowed to have been competent judges because they had just had dinner and, with the dessert upon the table, were clustered round the fire by lamplight.
2: Well, I'm very glad to hear it because I have not great faith of these young housekeepers. What
1: do you say, Topper? Topper had clearly got his eye upon one of Scrooge's niece's sisters, for he answered that a bachelor was a wretched outcast who had no right to express an opinion on the subject. Whereat Scrooge's niece's sister, the plump one with the lace tucker, not the one with the roses, blushed.
0: This is so specific. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. Do go on, Fred. He never finishes what he begins to say. He is such a ridiculous fellow. Scrooge's nephew reveled in another laugh, and as it was impossible to keep
1: the infection off, though the plump sister tried hard to do it with aromatic vinegar, his example was unanimously followed.
2: I was only going to say that the consequence of his taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us is, as I think, that he loses some pleasant moments, which could him do no harm. I'm sure he loses pleasanter companions than he can find in his own thoughts, either in his moldy old office or his dusty chamber. I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. He may rail at Christmas till he dies, but he can't help thinking better of it. I defy him. If he finds me going in there in good temper year after year and saying, Uncle Scrooge, how are you? If it only puts him in the vein to leave his poor clerk 50 pounds, that's something. And I think I shook him yesterday.
0: It was good afternoon.
2: afternoon.
1: <laughs> good afternoon. It was their turn to laugh now at the notion of his shaking Scrooge, but being thoroughly good natured and not much caring what they laughed at, so that they laughed at any rate, he encouraged them in their merriment and passed the bottle joyously. After tea, they had some music, for they were a musical family and knew what they were about when they sung a glee or catch, I can assure you especially Topper, who could growl away in the bass like a good one and never swell the large veins in his forehead or get red in the face over it. Scrooge's niece played well upon the harp and played, among other tunes, a simple little air, a mere nothing you might learn to whistle it in two minutes, which had been familiar to the child who fetched Scrooge from the boarding school as he had been reminded by the ghost of Christmas past. When this strain of music sounded, all the things that ghost had shown him came upon his mind. He softened more and more and thought that if he could have listened to it often years ago, he might have cultivated the kindness of life for his own happiness with his own hands without resorting to the sexton's spade that buried Jacob Marley. Drink. (laughs) <laughs> yes. is
0: this a reference to his older sister who was musical yes. yeah she came mm. to get him from the school yeah yeah there you go okay
1: but they didn't devote the whole evening to music after a while they played at forfeits for it is good to be children sometimes and never better than at christmas when its mighty founder was a child himself stop There was first a game at blind man's buff. Of course there was, and I no more believe Topper was really blind than I believe he had eyes in his boots. My opinion is that it was a done thing between him and Scrooge's nephew, and that the ghost of Christmas present knew it. The way he went after that plump sister-in-the-lace Tucker was an outrage on the credulity of human nature, knocking down the fire irons, tumbling over the chairs, bumping against the piano, smothering himself among the curtains. Wherever she went, there went he. Oh my God, he's like stalking her across the room.
0: He's the only way to
1: flirt back then. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) He always knew where the plump sister was. He wouldn't catch anybody else. If you had fallen up against him, as some of them did, on purpose, he would have made a feint of endeavoring to seize you, which would have been an affront to your understanding and would instantly have sidled off in the direction of the plump sister. She often cried out that it wasn't fair, and it really was not. But when at last he caught her, when in spite of all her silken rustlings and her rapid flutterings past him, he got her into a corner whence there was no escape. Then his conduct was the most execrable. Ex- Excra- ed- yeah, that word. Excrable. <laughs> Dude. Oh. For his pretending not to know her, his pretending that it was necessary to touch her headdress and Further to assure himself of her identity by pressing a certain ring upon her finger and a certain chain about her neck was vile, monstrous. Yeah, I'm not liking this guy. No doubt she told him her opinion of it when another blind man being in office, they were so very confidential together behind the curtains.
2: Oh, they're playing seven minutes in heaven in the closet right now. Yeah, right. And
0: it's not like she's yeah she was not trying to get away from him yeah okay okay yeah this is this is tongue in cheek okay got it which is
1: exactly
2: what's going on right now
1: (laughs) 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 Ah. okay scrooge's niece was not one of the blind man's buff party but was made comfortable with a large chair and a footstool in a snug corner where the ghost and scrooge were close behind her But she joined in the forfeits and loved her love to admiration with all the letters of the alphabet. Likewise, at the game of how, when, and where, she was very great and to the secret joy of Scrooge's nephew beat her sisters hollow, though they were sharp sisters too, as Topper could have told you. There might have been twenty people there, young and old, but they all played, and so did Scrooge, for wholly forgetting in the interest he had in what was going on, that his voice made no sound in their ears. He sometimes came out with his guess quite loud, and very often guessed quite right, too. For the sharpest needle, best Whitechapel warranted not to cut in the eye, was not sharper than Scrooge, blunt as he took it in his head to be the ghost was greatly pleased to find him in this mood and looked upon him with such favor that he begged like a boy to be allowed to stay until the guests departed but this the spirit said could not be done
0: oh come on here's a new game one half hour spirit only only one <laughs> this is like violets like five more minutes yep <laughs> It was a game
1: called Yes and No, where Scrooge's nephew had to think of something and the rest must find out what. He only answering to their questions, yes or no, as the case was. The brisk fire of questioning to which he was exposed elicited from him that he was thinking of an animal, a live animal, rather a disagreeable animal, a savage animal, an animal that growled and grunted sometimes and talked sometimes and lived in London, and walked about the streets, and was not made a show of, and wasn't led by anybody, and didn't live in a menagerie, and was never killed in a market, and was not a horse, or an ass, or a cow, or a bull, or a tiger, or a dog, or a pig, or a cat, or a bear. At every fresh question that was put to him, his nephew burst into a fresh roar of laughter, and was so inexpressibly tickled that he was obliged to get up off the sofa and stamp. At last, the plump sister, falling into a similar state, cried out, I have found it out. I know what it is, Fred.
2: I know what it is. What is it? It's your Uncle Scrooge!
1: Wow. (laughs) Which it certainly was. (laughs) Admiration was the universal sentiment, though some objected that the reply to is it a bear ought to have been yes, inasmuch as an answer in the negative was sufficient to have diverted their thoughts from Mr. Scrooge, supposing they had ever had any tendency that way.
2: He's given us plenty of merriment, I am sure, and it would be ungrateful not to drink to his health. Here is a glass of mulled wine ready to our hand at the moment, and I say, Uncle Scrooge.
1: Well, well Uncle, Uncle Scrooge. Scrooge!
2: A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man, whatever he is. He wouldn't it
1: for me, but may me, he have it nonetheless. Uncle Scrooge. Uncle Scrooge had imperceptibly become so gay and light of heart that he would have pledged the unconscious company in return and thanked them in an inaudible speech if the ghost had given him time. But the whole scene passed off in the breadth of the last words spoken by his nephew, and he and the spirit were again upon their travels. Much they saw, and far they went, and many homes they visited, but always with a happy end. The spirit stood beside sick beds, and they were cheerful on foreign lands, and they were close at home by struggling men, and they were patient in their greater hope by poverty, and it was rich in almshouse hospital and jail, in miseries every refuge, where vain man in his little brief authority had not made fast the door and barred the spirit out, he left his blessing and taught Scrooge his precepts. It was a long night, if it were only a night, but Scrooge had his doubts of this because the Christmas holidays appeared to be condensed into the space of time they passed together. It was strange, too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older. Clearly older. Scrooge had observed this change, but never spoke of it, until they left a children's twelfth night party when, looking at the spirit as they stood together in an open place, he noticed that its hair was gray. Are, spirits' lives so short?
2: Ah, my life upon this globe is very brief. It ends tonight. Tonight? Tonight at midnight. Hark, the
1: time is drawing near. The chimes were ringing the three quarters past eleven at that moment.
0: Uh, Forgive me if I'm not justified in what I ask, but um, I see something strange and something not belonging to yourself protruding from your uh, skirts. Is it a foot or a claw?
2: It might be a claw for the flesh there is upon it. Look here.
0: Yeah. Yikes. From yeah, the, this is yikes.
1: Oh, from the foldings of its robe, it brought two children, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. Oh, man. Look here. Look, look down here. They were a boy and a girl yellow meager ragged scowling wolfish but prostrate prostrate too in their humility where graceful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with its freshest tints a state a uh, a stale and shriveled hand like that of age had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds where angels might have sat enthroned devils lurked and glared out menacing No change, no degradation, no perversion of humanity in any grade through all the mysteries of wonderful creation had monsters half so horrible and dread. Scrooge started back, appalled having them shown to him in this way. He tried to say they were fine children, but the words choked themselves rather than be parties to a lie of such enormous magnitude. Uh, spirit... Are they yours? They
2: are man's, and they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance, this girl is want. Beware them both in all of their degree, but most of all beware this boy, for on his brow I see that written which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Deny it, slander all who tell ye, admit it for your facetious purpose, and make it worse, and bide the end.
0: Uh, have they no refuge or resource?
2: Are there no prisons?
0: Said the spirit, turning on him for the last time with his own words.
1: Are there no workhouses? The bell struck twelve. Scrooge looked about him for the ghost and saw it not. As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley, and lifting up his eyes, beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded coming like a mist along the ground towards him.
2: And that's where we'll stop for today.
1: Oh, shit. Damn.
2: I mean, it's like so Christmas and cheerful and yay. And then the reveal of of the two children. Dracula. Walks, yeah. The, <laughs> the reveal of Dracula. The reveal of the two children is really, I think, startling. Yeah. It must have been very shocking for, for the original readers yeah. or hearers.
0: Well, yeah, I just... I. I picked up on the like coming along like mist upon the ground you know that was yeah Dracula thing yeah yeah um I just wanted to uh uh say while since I didn't have a whole lot uh I looked up the gin the Cratchit gin recipe (gasps) yay with the with the lemons yes so um also it was we were right in thinking that they, while they would have co- cooked certain dishes on their hearth, um, mm-hmm. they didn't actually have an oven. Okay. Because an oven is a very specific structure, right? It oh, right. So, yeah, it was um, the oven was hang on, where's I'm trying to find the gin recipe, damn it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the oven. W- it required uh, a lot of fuel um, to warm it and to keep it going. So it it was not cost effective for a family to, you know, spend that much coal Mm. um, trying to do it. So baker's ovens would be used on holidays to cook. Okay. So it was kind of what I was thinking where they're taking their food to the bakery, Mm -hmm. Baker. Huh? And then, yeah. And then also um, the whole thing about the plum pudding smelling of the wash. Yeah. So this, <laughs> so remember the line, they took Tiny Tim out to the wash house to see mm-hmm. the pudding um, boiling in the <sighs> copper. So oh. they would have to boil giant vats of water and whatever little cooking hob they had on the hearth in the living room was not really enough for wasn't big enough to accommodate sort of the basic double boiler that you need to create for boiling a pudding. Oh, I think they've done this on the Great
2: British Making Show. They've had to make these boiled puddings. Yeah, I and do. they're wrapped and they're wrapped in cloth.
0: Yep. Well, so you 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 put it in either a uh, usually it's a china bowl, and then you uh, put cloth or paper on top of it and you tie it with string. So it kind of forms a little handle and then you put it in a bigger pot, but you have a upturned plate at the bottom of it, um, which keeps the bowl from hitting the bottom. Right. And then you fill it up to about a third of the way up uh, the side of the bowl with water and you steam it for eight hours. And so the reason why it smelled of the wash, it was because they were using the giant um, basin that they boiled the laundry water in yeah. to boil the pudding. But
2: the, yeah. pu- the water doesn't get in the pudding, so it doesn't taste like soap, No, no, it
0: just kind of would maybe have an aroma about it. Yeah,
2: maybe.
1: But yeah,
0: also, so they're probably not pouring fresh water in. They probably have to reuse... Reuse the water. Water. Yeah, or take it in from, you know, the snow or, you know, the wells or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. But...
1: <clears throat> also, so here- I found...
0: Here okay, is then. Bob Cratchit's hot gin punch. Oh, yes, and I'll include the links uh, for everything I found. Um, so it's two cups of Hun- Hendricks gin, two cups sweet Madeira wine, one tablespoon dark brown sugar, uh, peel and juice of one lemon, peel and juice of one orange, one pineapple peeled, cored, and sliced, three whole cloves, yeah, three oh. whole cloves, three cinnamon sticks, and a pinch of ground nutmeg. Hmm. It this actually sounds, sounds pretty good. Very yummy. And
2: yeah. I, meanwhile, found the punch, the seething punch. Okay. Yes. Yes. And uh, I will include that in the links. And I'm not going to read the directions because it's got about a thousand steps. But it looks <laughs> like the seething uh, has to involve the lemons with sugar and muddled peels and sugar. Um Okay. Because it it strikes the oil and puts the oil into the sugar,
1: I've and then done that at you <laughs>
2: add all your other ingredients and uh, and steam it. So yeah, it's a real recipe, and we'll include it. And it looks fantastic. So uh, we'll um, put it in the links.
0: Yeah, please? and I think I'm. I think I'm gonna. I have to go grocery shopping after this. So I think I'm think i gonna <laughs> get <it> some pineapple. <laughs> all
2: right. Well, what's coming up? in there? Oh, By the way, we this. This spirit, unlike the last one, was uh, gendered male about half the time.
0: Yeah, and then half the that time they He referred not. to him
2: as his it, but then he talked about him and he talked about his brothers. So oh, we'll see. Right. What the, what's, uh, what's tomorrow's ghost look like, Kate?
0: Well, we meet a morose motherfucker of a ghost and right. get more culty brain-breaking tactics. Okay. okay. And also, next time, Scrooge, call 1-900-PSYCHIC if you want a better future prediction, I'm just well, saying. <laughs> I am
2: thoroughly enjoying this, and I can't wait. And, <laughs> like, uh, is it
1: going to be
0: a surprise? Is anyone surprised?
1: I mean, we all know what's coming, right? We all
2: saw the Muppet version of this. We know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Drunk Pathology Gals.
1: And Kate will probably post something over on TikTok and Instagram making these drinks that we're going to be including um, in Gals, TikTok and
0: Instagram. Yeah, that's right. And thanks again for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they're like, oh, be right back, honey. I got to change the laundry and fix the pudding. Finally, always remember if the oddly culty brainwashing ghosts of Christmas past and present can behave badly, then so can you.